This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon Makuku Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan and I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 197 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a seafaring tale of Merrows off the coast of Ireland. This is the grave beneath the wave. But first, a very big welcome to any new and indeed any returning listeners. If this is your first episode, this is a perfectly good tester to see if you'll like the stuff that we do on this podcast. And if you like it, why don't you head right back throughout the now four years of this podcast and see what we've been building up to on this journey through Fireside. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so, so much for your continued support. All the usual ways you can support the podcast, you can follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. You can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media and you want to get in touch with any personal or business inquiries, or even just to say hello, to let me know your thoughts. You can share this or this video or, or this episode um, on your stories. You can just spread the good name of the podcast. Other ways you can support it, of course, you can buy my book, my book of poetry, Garden Sea, a neo-myth of home. You can buy that in paperback from the Headstuff website, and you can buy it in Kindle version from Amazon instantly, but the paperback can be shipped all around the world. Thank you so, so much uh, for all of those who continue to buy it each and every week. It's still the great, the big, great pleasure in my life at the moment to be share something as personal and vulnerable and something that took as long as it did to finish as a poetry book and just seeing all the most wonderful places um there was a copy of it sent off to Folsom in California only last week um which was very exciting for me as someone who spent two years in a Johnny Cash tribute band it felt it was all coming back full circle to be sending something off to Folsom so I hope you enjoy it and there's a couple going off to another couple of places around uh, this week I am actually coming to you live, or I actually should say, um, if you don't want to buy the book, the book is there, of course, um, but the other way you can support the podcast is by joining Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com, where if it's as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to not just bonus material for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. But those are the hard sells out of the way, and all of the links are in the description below. But where I am coming from you now, as I say when I talk about shipping copies of the book off, is I I am recording to you now for the first time from New Zealand after two years of uh, postponements and cancellations and getting out to Australia, being sent home from Australia, getting back to Australia, 
finishing Australia but not getting out to New Zealand. We're finally in New Zealand with World of Musicals. I have been here for just about over a week. Um, it's It has been immediately, without question, the most beautiful place I have ever visited. It is just every day has been stunning for two or three different reasons and um, the people have been so incredible here the landscape is just breathtaking it's it's kind of hard to compare to anyone to anywhere else on earth and we're so grateful to be here and the show is going down incredibly well the audiences have been fantastic the venues have been beautiful and so it's just been a really really special special time so far here in uh, Fangarai is where I'm currently coming from just on the north part of the North Island we have actually two shows today, um, which I'm recording these beforehand. And then we have a long drive tomorrow to Tapo. Um, I'm sure I'm doing my very best with the pronunciations at the moment. Um, but I think that's probably not right. But after that, we drive to Wellington um, the day after. And we have a show down in Wellington. I'm really, really looking forward to going there. Um, but the story for this week... Um, before I wax lyrical too much about New Zealand, um, came to me from this again from W. B. Yeats's Fairy and Folk Tales of Ireland and the beautiful, beautiful edition that someone gave me for my birthday that a friend of mine gave to me, who is on the tour with me now. Thank you, Leah. Um, this was a tale that I I had been looking. I talked, spoken recent times about wanting to kind of do versions of tales or types of stories rather that. I haven't done in some time, so on some characters that we may have done before, but haven't done in a long time, maybe even a couple of years. And one of those uh, was certainly a marrow. We did a couple of marrow tales in the very, very early weeks of this podcast with the wonderful tune and the soul cages, and there's been a couple of others throughout the history of the podcast, but ha- not one for a while. And after doing the the giant stairs uh, before and that was the type of tale I was looking for now, and this was this was a tale that was originally known as Flory Cantillon's Funeral, um, but I decided to change up that name and was very happy with the name now we have. We will chat more about it afterwards, of course, but this is The Grave Beneath the Wave on Fireside. The Grave Beneath the Wave There was a graveyard on the rugged southwest coast of this island that was the ancient and beloved burial place of the seafaring highborn family, the Cantillons. A chapel stood as guardian to the charcoal teeth graves, and the entire site sat on an island off this island. Close to the coast, but separated enough to be both protected and mysterious enough to grow superstition and folklore. Over the years, when one of the long line of Cantillans died, their wake and funeral were celebrated, and the coffin was carried by Curra over the waves and to the island graveyard. The tides rose and the tides fell. Sometimes on a particularly high tide or stormy day, the waves would crash against the graves and the stone became a home for seaweed. The Cantillans never minded this. They loved the sea as much as anyone could and felt that in death they became a part of their beloved. 
Eventually the tides rose and they didn't fall, and the entire graveyard was submerged beneath the waves. Enough time passed for many locals to forget or even not believe that the graveyard ever existed. Fishermen would sail over the site on a bright and cleary day and said they could see the chapel on the sea floor. But fishermen are superstitious folk, and most took no heed of this latest addition to the almanac of sea shanties. But the Cantillans never forgot. At once the island had been submerged and they could no longer bury their dead in a grave beneath the wave, the Cantillans adopted a new custom, which now seems as ancient as the island itself. When a Cantillan died, their body was brought to the seashore and laid within reach of the tide. When the morning came, the coffin would be gone, and the Cantillans believed that the body had been ferried by the souls of their ancestors to their sacred burial place. Connor Crow was a Clare man, who was related to the Cantillans by marriage. He adopted many of their family customs, which included drinking a quart of seawater every morning for its supposed medicinal virtues. But if Connor Crow drank that much seawater, he would drink three times as much whiskey for the same reason. And that part wasn't a Cantillan custom, that was Connor's own. But in all the time Connor had been married into the family, he had never been to a Cantillan funeral. He had never seen this sacred, macabre and mysterious ritual of leaving the coffin of the dead by the waves to be carried off. He was dying to see it. He had to know how it worked. He often believed it was just a ghost story, a trick his wife was trying to play on him. It seems risky enough if you ask me, he would say. What's to stop the body being stolen, or worse, being eaten by crabs, cats or wolves? But everything changed with the death of one Florence Cantillon. Flory Cantillon had been as decent in life as he looked stretched out at his wake. This being a traditional Irish wake, this was the party to be at. There were tears and keens and respects paid, but a wake is a celebration of life, and there was drinking and feasting and smoking, songs sung and stories told, Everyone who was anyone on Ireland's southwest coast was there. Sure, there were a few disagreements, arguments, and even fists thrown, but no less than three women met their future husbands at Flory Cantillon's wake. Connor Crow travelled from Clare to Kerry as if he had been invited to the wedding of a high king. Finally, he would see a Cantillon funeral, and even better, there would be a free bar. As custom dictated, after the wake and the funeral procession, the body and coffin of Flory Cantillon was brought from town to the tip of the beach closest to the graveyard in the sea. It was a clear evening, and the coffin looked glorious bathed in the moonlight. Flory himself would have been proud. The party continued on the beach, but everyone knew that the body would not be at rest until there was no one left around, and the ancestors could emerge from the ocean to take Flory to his final resting place. One by one, and group by group, the procession dissipated. 
everyone going on to the pub, to a party, or home. But not Connor Crow. Connor Crow was sticking this funeral out to the bitter end. He wanted to see who or what happened to the coffin when all was said and done. So Connor settled in for the night. He was wrapped up warm, which he needed for the coastal breeze, and he took his bottle of whiskey from his coat pocket. My drop of comfort, as he called it. Many hours passed, and nothing happened. Soon Connor was out of whiskey and out of courage. Staring at a coffin lying in the sand with the waves smashing against the hollowed wood was a far more somber sight than Connor had anticipated. He thought of Florence, of all the Cantillans, of life and death. The sea can have the most head-clearing, calming effect, but at night the sea was dark, vast and unknowable. At night the sea was death, and Connor had many drunk and sobering hours to contemplate his own mortality. Far after the last drop of liquor or warmth, Connor felt humbled by the experience and thought he could confidently go home. It was wrong, he thought, for him to treat the occasion as a form of entertainment, to satisfy his own curiosities. He was beginning to nod off. He would shake himself to stay awake. Connor stood up and walked towards the coffin, the narrow house of death that remained unmoved. The moon had begun to sink into the sea when Connor saw movement in the surf, movement that was not wave or current. This movement was alive, and far too big to be a fish. Is it a seal, Connor thought? Whatever it was, it was more than one. Is this it? Have a family of seals come to feast on the corpse of my family? But the creatures began to rise from the waters, and Connor did not want to stick around to see what they were. He returned to his stoop by the beach and watched with a shake that he didn't know if was fear or cold or a bit of both. The source of the movement were not seals, or anything of the world that Connor knew. These were creatures of the deep. Too human to be fish, but too fish to be human. It was so dark that Connor could not make out any features, but their skin looked as green as the Irish Sea, their hair of seaweed, the men of fright, but the women beautiful. Connor didn't blink. In fact, he didn't think. He sat hypnotized by the sight, and then the creatures spoke. Another day, another coffin, one said in a voice that sounded like a coastal gale. This is what comes from marrying a creature of the earth. True, said another, crawling on the sand toward the coffin. Our own king would never have needed to command the waves to sink that awful graveyard if his own daughter had not been buried there by her human husband. And now we still have to carry every dead mortal down. Be careful how you speak of the mortals, said a third creature of the deep. For one day, mortal eye, our work shall spy and mortal ear, 
our dirge will hear. The marrows, or so Connor believed that's what they were called, began to keen, a lament for the dead, as they prepared to drag the coffin back into the foam. All this time Connor didn't move, he certainly didn't speak. Just as the creatures began to nudge the coffin into the wet and toward the waves, one took a last look at the shore. They didn't often get to spend time on land. Only when a cantillon died, really. But with this one final breath of air, one marrow spied the vacant, shocked, and still Connor Crow. Our day has come, the creature cried. A human eye has seen the forms of the ocean and heard their voice. No longer will we be the pallbearers of the Cantillans. Goodbye to them all. No more are the sons of the sea doomed to bury the dust of the earth. Each of the creatures took a good look at Connor Crow, still motionless with awe and terror. He stood as if enwrapped in a spell, but it was the sons of the sea who were now free from one. They paid their final dues to their charge by carrying the coffin of Flory Cantillon and sank it down to the underwater chapel and graveyard. They sang a lamentable funeral song, tinged with cheer and celebration, a sorrow and joy only ever found in equal harmony in the songs of this island. And never again was a coffin carried to the sea. It took one or two more Cantillans dying and their family leaving them on the beach, only to find the coffin still there in the morning for them to realize their ancient burial custom could no longer continue. Never again was a Cantillan carried to the beach. Never again did Connor Crow touch a drop of whiskey or seawater and it never again was a soul ferried to a grave beneath the wave. The End Come on, sissy that pod, let's get... Thickening! Are you a fan of the Emmy award-winning show RuPaul's Drag Race? Do you think about Roxy Andrews at the bus stop? And do you belong in Party City? Well, Sissy That Pod is the podcast for you. Join me, James, and my co-host, Keen. Is there something on my face? As we chat weekly about the runway realness, sickening shade, and backstage buffoonery. That's right, whether it's new episodes of Drag Race US, UK, or All-Stars, Sissy That Pod will spill the tea with a new episode for you within 24 hours. So make good choices and subscribe to Sissy That Pod from the Headstuff Podcast Network and we'll leave you gagging on our eleganza. Now, let the music play! And that was the tale of the grave beneath the wave on Fireside and I hope you all enjoyed it and I certainly hope you couldn't hear the rather loud lawnmower um, coming from outside my window just as if to be as close as possible at the exact moment I'm recording but I hope that was not that yeah but um, a very very wonderful again self-contained tale I always tried it <laughs> there's always going to be similarities um, and echoes of each other in any culture's folklore um, but particularly Ireland's but then of course what I try to find when I do episodes especially having done as many as we have 
um, is to try and find something a bit different. And there was certainly never anything quite like this, like quite like the self, the self-sufficient and self-contained nature of this tale. Most of all, just because we have this incredible custom and this incredible visual of this graveyard and chapel submerged beneath the waves, beneath the ocean. Uh, one that, and I think I've often said I'm particularly drawn to stories and songs that involve the sea, mostly from growing up beside one. Um, it always feels like a very familiar world, but it is also tends to be where the most superstition comes from. Fishermen and seafaring people still to this day tend to hold and certainly the the almanac, as I call the almanac of sea shanties, holds the most wonderful uh, tales and stories and seems to have the most biggest breath of life to this kind of stuff. And no more is. And what I like about this, especially with folklore, where in a lot of these Irish tales, the stories are essentially presented as fact and it's part of the reader's head or part of the storyteller's job to figure out why this creature or this story is no longer believed in. And that tends to be quite possible with these fishermen's tales because they can be a bit older. There's a bit of an ancient custom. So you see, you see this story, the belief in the story fade during the story itself. You know, you have this graveyard beside on an island off the coast that is above the waves at the at the start of the tale, but like Atlantis sinks beneath the waves by the end, and by the end has been so long submerged beneath the waves that very few people believe that it ever even existed, apart from this one family, this Cantillon family, which is a very unusual name, um, one I'd not come across. Let me shout out to any Cantillons who may listen to this podcast. Let me know anything about the family name, if you know it. Um, but this custom that they hold on to. And then we get a viewpoint character, a, a way in, in Connor Crow, someone who belongs to the Cantillon family, but only by marriage. And so he's someone who has always been outside this incredibly strange and peculiar custom and has never had the opportunity to wit witness it. So, of course, has become very superstitious or uh, suspicious of it and skeptical of it. But he finally gets his opportunity at Flory Cantillon's funeral. And we get this, um, again, incredibly macabre, quite humorous, but, um, but certainly intriguing scene of the solo Connor Crow camping out by the beach with just the coffin there lying on the sand in the moonlight, him sitting there wrapped up warm with his glass, with his bottle of whiskey, waiting to see what takes the coffin into the sea. And that, again, in terms of the visual, was an incredible scene to to write about and to explore and what thoughts would come and how you would reflect on your own mortality and this idea that, that at night the darkness and the vast unknowable nature of the sea that that would make the sea like death itself especially so when would you ever see a coffin lying on the sand of the shore um that just that alone made this made this an incredible tale and incredible fun and interesting and challenging in different ways just to 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 explore to explore that image of of why what brought him there the kind of morbid curiosity 
and this pursuit of entertainment essentially to see like what happens with this you know like he's sitting there with the popcorn almost but then in these very sombering humbling few hours where he is just looking at a dead body lying at the coast of the beach that he starts to think about his own mortality and starts to question the the ethics and the sensitivity of him being there at all and how appropriate it is and him coming to that him having learned a lot even before he has these visitors and then we have the visits of the marrow and the marrow are very traditionally traditionally depicted in that the men are it's the seafoam skin the seaweed hair the men often have like pig noses and the women are often quite beautiful but they have to crawl themselves out and that voice was very fun to do this voice that is to sound like the wind of the sea that it's that it's hollow and brittle and that's always fun to to explore how this different kind of creature that doesn't either doesn't exist or hasn't existed for a long time or never existed how they might actually make a sound if they were to try and to speak our language and so there's a very light back story given by the marrows in that so it seems that a, a king of the marrows or a king of the deep <coughs> that his daughter Little Mermaid style fell in love with a mortal of the Cantillon family and that when she died that for her father to be close to her, his daughter, he had to submerge the graveyard of the Cantillon family to the bottom of the waves and in so doing that possibly as a as a tribute, as an homage to this to this mortal family because he had kind of he had taken all future future burial customs away from them by submerging this graveyard they were no longer able to bury the souls of their dead so as a way to making for making up with that for making up for that he then routinely would send his own troops or his own people to the beach during a Cantillon funeral and who knows how it came about perhaps it came about with an actual visit before that this king of the deep that it was this arrangement made but then as a part of the arrangement, I beg your pardon, it's my phone, as a part of this arrangement, it was that no mortals were allowed to witness this act being happened because I get the feeling like any of these superstitious, supernatural creatures, they actually don't like times when them and mortals encounter each other never usually work out well for either one or both parties so it becomes then part of the lore of this curse as they see it by the end of having to carry and ferry every cantillon a coffin to this graveyard beneath the waves that the day that they are witnessed by mortals and that they are heard by mortals and that it is no longer a superstition, but like a fact of what is going on. That is the day that they will be free. And this happens in the unwitting witness of uh, of Connor Crow. And so the Marrows are delighted. But then there's, there is a sorrow to the end of it because this long-held custom. First, the Cantillans lost this graveyard beneath the waves, and then they lost all ways of of ferrying their dead to this graveyard that was under the water so they presumably then just had to take out random family plots for all eternity if they are still a family today 
and then you but then you would see as well again to bring it back to the aspect of the folklore and the superstition you could believe that now this is a story that belongs to folklore because the Cantillans would tell today about how they used to have this island and then the island was beneath the waves and then their souls were carried there and then that stopped it all and how quickly people would just stop believing that at all stop believing that that ever had existed or ever even could exist so just wonderful wonderful nature to this tale and of course, always there's a there's a darkness and a macabre again to it, with any story being circulated around death. But like anything in Ireland what to do with death, it is quite often a celebration of life, but this certainly is. And I find this to be a celebration of folklore itself as well, which always ticks a big fireside box. But I will wrap things up there. Um, I hope you all enjoyed this tale of the grave beneath the wave. Um, once again, all the usual ways you can support the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. You can share this on your story or whatever. You can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. You can buy my book, Garden Sea, A Neo Myth of Home. We can ship all over the world. Um, all the links are in the description below. You can support the podcast directly at Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want. And I will see you all next time. And next week, we have a very exciting story um, from me being over in this incredible part of the world and in this incredible new culture and everything. Um, I am doing a story of someone I'd wanted to do for a long time, but was looking for a window in, you know, because like if I ever if I ever adapt a story from any other culture other than other than Ireland, um, I always like to make sure it's very rooted and this is a very strong reason for it um, so that it can be appreciated and not and not be insensitive, you know. Um, and so it is very, with very exciting announcement that I am doing a story on Maui and the creator, the demigod and creator of islands next week on Fireside. It's been a huge amount of fun to, to research. It's just such an incredible and so very, very different mythology to um to the celtic mythology and any of the other ones that i've studied i'm really looking forward to sharing it with you all and it, it made it feel very special and very rooted being in this wonderful country here just being in one of the many polynesian uh, islands um i'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.